Albuquerque's macro aggression. Eddie Aragon, the rock of talk. Exhausting. Listen to people sometimes, at least for me. Uh, don't forget, you can catch us on all the platforms Roku TV, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, podcasting on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify. Don't forget, you can download the apps at rockoftalk.tv, rockoftalk.com. And uh, well, let's just get the headlines out of the way immediately what everybody's talking about. Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham tests positive for COVID 19. And uh, I don't know if that's going to garner her more more sympathy we already couldn't find her could, couldn't show up this week all i could say is thank goodness she didn't show up at the NAOP meeting may have affected uh, people uh with the COVID 19 uh but i think even uh, more than that she returned from a trip out of state but could it be possibly forecasting things to come with uh, future shutdowns if you're traveling out of state i don't think that's going to happen but a lot of people already trying to speculate about what that means. Uh, she stated in a statement, I'm very grateful to be experiencing only mild symptoms after being fully vaccinated and twice boosted against COVID-19. No, oh, that's the standard Democrat statement because you were boosted and I only have mild symptoms because I was boosted. It's a vaccine, ma'am. Uh, you should probably understand exactly what that is. Uh, maybe you got it from kissing your husband on that new commercial, very a disgraceful commercial uh, to say the least. And uh, Manny himself should be embarrassed about uh, his portrayal, I think, in that uh, as well, because uh, I don't remember the auto shops being shut down during that time and a completely and totally vacant uh, state capital. I think it had more negatives than positive uh, for me. Plus, uh, well, if you know something about Michelle Lujan Grisham, as I do, you found it kind of gross. Uh, uh, also, uh, a little update from yesterday, and I told you it's coming, the electric vehicles. California approving the rules to ban gasoline-powered cars by 2035. Certainly, Michelle Lujan Grisham would be very happy about that with the ETA being passed. And that was like her first big act, April 24th of uh, 2019, as uh, she got that thing passed. And uh, that's the green new energy deal that Ocasio-Cortez and the rest of the crazy progressives, uh, now they're getting it done in California. So there it is, folks. It's all laid out uh, for you. But this is just a bad day for Democrats. And I think they deserve a bad day or two um, because the judge has now ordered the Justice Department to release the redacted affidavit by noon tomorrow. That's 10 a.m. Landing to search of Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago home. Hooray, hooray. And really, the verdict is in on the FBI. If you think about this, this is basically the FBI was trying to hide all of this information from us. And the order came from the same exact judge that stated to go ahead and go in to Mar-a-Lago. So he sort of removes himself from this altogether, playing both sides of this. Bruce Reinhardt, as you know, and an Epstein associate, uh, by the way, an Epstein associate, Stefan Hoffenberg uh, died uh, today. They found his decomposed body in Connecticut, but I digress. The government has met its burden of showing that its proposed redactions are narrowly tailored to serve the government's legitimate interests in the integrity of the continuing investigation are the least onerous alternative to sealing 
the entire affidavit. So he's giving them a little bit of an out. But the good news is, is we're going to actually get something after, uh, I don't know, 21 days that's going to tell us exactly where we're at uh, on this and why they got to invaded uh, on the August the 8th. I say uh, 21 days because August the 4th is when they actually gave the green light to it. I saw Donald Trump at CPAC, and then here we come on that uh, that Monday after, and it was a pretty, pretty tough uh, day for all of us. We did not feel good about it. We don't feel – this isn't a good three-letter month. Uh, the IRS, 87,000 agents, the uh, FBI, we don't feel very much trust in them. And the latest polls coming out is showing exactly that. And I, I, the Trafalgar group, remember, Trafalgar is actually the very same group that predicted that Donald Trump would win. It's the most accurate polling organization out there, the highest rated one that is out there. They did a pretty good sample size uh, overall and trust in the Department of Justice and the FBI plummets in the wake of the raid. And now that we've got this that has now come through, we can all feel pretty good. One of America's most accurate pollsters in 2016, 2018, 2020, and last year released the results of a new national survey. Results were from surveys conducted August 19th through the 23rd, all right? Just about every single primary had happened right up until that date. I think there's two more that uh, that is left, that are left, excuse me. Despite the rallies, or excuse me, despite the daily lies, obfuscations, denials, alternative storylines, and other attempts, they write, to throw the public off the scent. Voters see what is really going on. They understand politics, not justice, are behind the unfolding saga, and they see that they are more than we know. The worse this gets for those who enforce so-called, quote-unquote, justice. A man that I interviewed, Mark Meckler, from the uh, Convention of States, uh, made in a statement. And here's the key insights that you need to go ahead and take away from this. America's Americans, excuse me, are divided on the trust of the FBI and the DOJ. It's almost right down the middle with a 7.2% spillage on both sides. 46.6% of American voters say the Department of Justice and the FBI are to be respected. 46.2% of American voters say they are not to be respected because they're too political, corrupt, and not to be trusted. Not good for the FBI. A majority of Republicans and a plurality of independents, I repeat, a plurality of independents say the FBI and the DOJ have become too political and are not to be trusted. In fact, here's what these numbers look like. 47.9% of independent voters say the Department of Justice and the FBI are too political and corrupt. 68.3% of Republican voters say the Department of Justice and the FBI are too political and too corrupt. And of course, you Democrats trusting the FBI, hard to believe if we really kind of go back to, you know, the 90s and the early aughts uh, during that time, you guys didn't trust the FBI at all. Is everything political with you guys? I think so. Only 19.9% of Democrat voters say the Department of Justice and the FBI are too political and corrupt. But one in five is pretty good. Can we make something out of this? We don't need to. It's already been made by the same corrupt judge who said we need to go ahead and issue the redacted coverage of this. Plurality of independents join a majority of Republican and questioning the motive of the DOJ investigative investigation of Donald Trump. And we're going to get that tomorrow. Here's the bad part. The downside is tomorrow is a slow news day. A lot of people picking up, taking off. Sean Hannity's off tomorrow. A lot of people are starting to take off for the next week. You know, you get these schedules that come in and they're like, this is big news. He's got to be on. So hopefully Sean can 
can be on for this uh, big release tomorrow. I think that that would be good. But 50% of independent voters believe the Justice Department investigation into Donald Trump is only intended to prevent him from running for office for 2024. That's one in two independents. 71.5% of Republican voters, it should be significantly higher. And the same one in 5% of Democratic voters, including an additional 2%, believe the Justice Department investigation is intended to prevent him from running for office for 2024. That spells that he is going to be your nominee. But Americans are divided on whether the FBI and DOJ are being honest about their justification for raiding Trump's home. And that's the big thing that's about to come out tomorrow. Majority of Republicans, along with plurality of independents, do not believe the FBI and the DOJ are being honest. And that's what we can take home. Got a lot to get to here in the Kiva this afternoon. We'll talk about that uh, education loan forgiveness. A lot of uh, stuff being made about that. Uh, there's no teacher shortage, folks. Uh, we got to talk about those numbers. This is what the unions and the educators and the Democrats are using to go ahead and create more money for education. There's less students, people, more people believe in, in student, or excuse me, school choice at this point. So people are pulling out of the public school system. That's the biggest reason for people leaving APS. And that trend is holding up across the country. We also talk about no working. People are uh, stepping out altogether and COVID and health. And maybe another reminder, Michelle Lujan Grisham needs to go ahead and take care of herself, uh, especially during this election season. We want to beat her at the polls. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Back in three. Rockatalk.com. There is not a teacher shortage. And I think we need to say that a little bit more loudly because we talked about shortages of every kind that are out there, right? It's a dog eat dog of shortages, uh, if you will, food shortages, uh, right? We had everything that was an absolute abundance uh, during COVID. Uh, everyone had an abundance of money, abundance of time, abundance of, well, just about everything you could possibly think of. Uh, and now we've got nothing but shortages. And that includes. Uh, of course, includes the American teachers, right? And schools who are all complaining about, well, there's not enough money. There's not enough students. We're overworked, underpaid, and we're sick and tired of hearing about education. The Department of Education established in 1979, folks, is not something that I think that we should be paying attention to much longer. We are proving that in America, and especially in New Mexico, where we are the absolute worst, the bottom of the bottom, the worst of the worst. <laughs> Education doesn't work. Burned out is what these teachers say that they are. Well, why should we continue to pay these guys so much? Why should we give all the students all this free money, right? I mean, does anybody for, did anybody forget about Nancy Pelosi? It's been all over everywhere. Do you think about what she said? That the president actually lacks authority to forgive any and all student debt? Yeah, that uh, was just, a, you heard it at the top of the hour uh, news. We were playing that uh, quite a bit. And I got to say, that's pretty exciting to hear because 
She did a complete and total about face on the whole entire issue. How much later? Well, a year ago, she said this. And Elizabeth Warren is talking about how the student loan cancellation is good for our economy. Well, uh, not if it costs you $2,000, folks. That's right. $2,000 per taxpayer out there is the total cost to every taxpayer in America on this. It's not adding up. Where's all this money going? Who's he getting paid to? Why is there an exodus, supposedly, of teachers? What you're actually finding is there's a flight to quality in the educational system. When students have school choice, they go to teachers, and the rumors get passed around, who's a good teacher, what's a good school, and they fly to that teacher. Same with the university. There's a flight to quality. Why has the University of New Mexico continued to fail? Even if they're giving it away, they're losing enrollment. How does this, How does an educational system, which is the largest employer in the state of New Mexico, lose students at a time when they're giving it away for free because it's not worth the paper it's printed on? University of New Mexico is a fourth-tier school, folks. I'm not ashamed to say I got my education there because I got it at one of the best times. Latin American Institute had it as one of the top five. That's what I got my degree in. Basically, my emphasis was on Latin American economics, development economics. I got a degree in economics. I got a degree in political science and a minor in art history. My focus was there and at one of the best places, I think only third to only UCLA and I believe the University of California, Berkeley at the time that I got my degree back in 1998. What is wrong with these Democrats? How come they don't understand economics? The student loan cancellation as you get into the university, people should pay for it and it should be the very first thing that they buy because it should be worth something to them. $2,000 per taxpayer. So wait, the first economic lesson I get is I get it for free because I didn't even earn it, only 40%. 40% of all those who enroll in freshman year graduate. At the University of New Mexico, I told you about four to six years, the graduation rate is 33%. Larry Summers, who's a Democrat, who is in uh, Epstein's corner, by the way, no, and he's not the man who died. He served at President Obama's top economic advisor, wrote, every dollar spent on loan relief is a dollar that could have gone to support those who don't get the opportunity to go to college. Hardworking, blue collar, that's where the Republicans need to be and that's where Donald Trump took us, remember that? Donald Trump was on the side of Bernie Sanders. He wasn't doing that free trade stuff. I know a lot of people will disagree with that. Well, no, made in the USA, bring the jobs back, carriers coming back. We had all these manufacturers that were coming back. We have almost 0% vacancy industrial nationwide. I think it's like three, three and a half percent because there's such a high level of productivity. By the way, you can uh, translate that industrial vacancy rate to the overall uh, employment rate in the, in the country. That's how that translates. He says student loan debt relief is spending that raises demand and increases inflation a basic economic tenant, what we have been trying to avoid since back in 1982. It consumes resources that can be better used helping those who did not, for whatever reason, have the chance to attend college. It will also tend to be inflationary by raising tuitions. Well, not in the state of New Mexico because the University of New Mexico education isn't worth it. 
It just isn't. I don't want my children to go there. And Oh, what do you mean? It's not good enough. It was good enough for you. Well, it's not going to be good enough for them. We have tenured professors who are indoctrinating students now. That's exactly what's happening. I can't even believe these numbers. How could it average the National Taxpayers Union Foundation? Put out the public reporting. Andrew Lotz today. I'll stick it in the notes. The average cost per taxpayer making between fifty dollars and $75,000 is $866. The average cost per taxpayer making between $100,000 to $200,000, well, you just got a bill for $3,158.35. And for anybody making between two dollars to $500,000, you just got a $10,000 bill. You're paying for five of those guys. This is ridiculous. Budget deficits are impacting everything. And the inflationary pressure is all being bought for one thing and one thing only so the Democrats can ram their agenda down your throat for the 2022 midterm elections. There's no other way to argue this. It's the only thing that they're doing. Forgiving these budgetary models comes from Donald Trump's school. He graduated from Penn University. There's a whole entire study. Vice President Harris looked at this and stated that the Biden administration will announce its policy for giving federal college student loan debt. Between 69 to 73% of the debt forgiven accrues to households in the top 60% of the income distribution. Oh, yes. Let's get the poor dumb people to go ahead and vote for Democrats all over again. Do you see how you're getting used? And for those of you who are intelligent, but decided to go ahead and sacrifice for a life of purpose or vocation, there's nothing wrong with that. But you chose to go ahead and do that. And likely those people have been very responsible and have paid off their debts. How about you, you paying off your debt, but the rich kids are sitting in the, the uh, their basement, got $10,000 forgiveness and never have to pay this kind of stuff off. And they didn't have to complete a degree. Does that seem in any way fair to you? I know it doesn't for me. People work hard. We used to be a country that worked hard, that cared about things, that wanted better for ourselves, that wanted our next generation to do better and better. This is not a pathway towards improving our country. When you remove the work ethic, you sort of remove everything, don't you? Teaching people to get something for nothing results in further inefficiencies, increased laziness, and creates a whole entire situation of haves and haves nots. And the haves are the oligopoly and the people in power, the politicians, and the rest of everybody is like, well, we're at the service. We'll do whatever you tell us to do as long as you go ahead and give it to us for free. That's where we are in this country. They've set that up for you. They've made it as easy as they possibly can Not for you, but for them to continue to have the power in this country and take away what has essentially been the United States of America. And I'll talk about that during the second hour when we talk, excuse me, about the media. When we discuss the media, we'll talk about what the New York Times is doing and all of these other entities are out there in terms of gaslighting you into thinking that the Republicans are not the party of middle America, not the party of the working class. That's exactly who the Republican Party needs to reestablish themselves as. And they can't run away by constantly trying to defend the richest guy, the, maybe the richest president in the history of this country. See, there's, that, that's the optics here. 
Donald Trump's a rich guy who was entitled, who got a million dollars from his dad, who started a construction company, who did all of these things. And when you are defending him, that's what you're defending. You need to defend the policies and you have to know more about the information that's out there. If you've been working hard, you've been paying your taxes, you've been living right, what ends up happening to you? You should go ahead and progress. You should be uplifted from the lower to the middle to the upper class. We expect that to happen. Those are the types of things that we fully anticipate. We can't anticipate those things anymore. You're now getting penalized for improving your life. And you've decided to go and hand a bucket of cash to the laziest people in this country, college going people who are taking five, six, seven years, and they can't tell you that they're working hard or that they're even purposely led driven. Most of these people, second, third year into college, they haven't even decided what they want to do yet. They get so good at being lazy. They get so good at not doing anything that they now can just do that forever. And we're going to talk about that in our next segment because they're all thinking that they're entitled to everything and that you're going to give it to them, especially those employees. It's quitting time for so many of these people. Quiet quitting is on the rise and it's happening across the country at a time at the highest level of employment. Anybody who wants a job can get one. But is it really a job anymore in the sense that you and I were used to working, showing up, being there. Well, not any longer. These employers are chasing these employees and they're getting all the laws bent against them. 429, back and forth. Thanks everybody for tuning in. here in the Kiva. Maybe that's what she's doing. Maybe she's quitting. Maybe Michelle Lujan Grisham doesn't like some of the polls. I know uh, they put out a gaslighting poll in Joe Monahan's blog, uh, but maybe that's what she's doing. She's just really quitting right now. She's just, she's done. That's what the world seems to be doing at this point. It's, this is absolutely incredible to me when I read things like, when asked, when asked, 91% of the working class during the COVID shutdown would like an augmented or stay at home schedule going forward. What? What kind of world do we live in? Do people not know? You know what? I think we do need to lose everything in this country before we get it all back. There's no other way to put this. Unless you get a consequence, like why should you be able to stay at home and remote work the rest of your life? You think that's going to, who's that going to work for? That's the complete and total destruction of this culture, of our country. Quiet quitting. A so-called quiet quitter does not judge herself by her professional productivity. It's never within time for her. She does her job, and when her shift is over, she's done. She needs to take pride in this. ABC Shark Tank, uh, Kevin O'Leary, who told CNBC, the workers who go beyond to try to solve problems for the organization, their teams, their, mass, their managers, their bosses, those are the ones that succeed in life. Shark Tank, that's all about capitalism. Do better, show up, get your asses to work. 
Well, if you can get paid to stay at home, if you can uh, find another job that pays you the same amount and you don't really care about what you do, oh, here comes the depression. Marijuana dependence, alcohol dependence, hanging out all day, trying to get enough done, having a lackluster job. Uh, yeah, you're probably going to off yourself at some point. Not only does it kill business, not only kills society, it kills people. Why? Well, this phenomenon of quiet quitting is all over social media. Oh, why don't you quit? I don't need to go to work. I could just be on TikTok all day. And that's where it's quiet quitting is taken off. I mean, how much more can you throw at small business? How much more can you throw at restaurants? How much more can you throw at businesses in general? To the point where, well, everything is just going to shut down altogether. Oh, that's communism. North Koreans stay at home. The Soviets used to stay at home. Cubans, they hang out all day, make music. They stay at home, wait for the government to dole out their handouts. Ivor Wolf says, quiet quitting is just a generational twist on an old problem. Social media has just taken it from HR and business journals to every person's screens. Oh, it's okay. Let's normalize it. Uh, what about people actually having to show up to, I don't know, if you're an attorney at court? How many attorneys are actually going to work? I'd love to know that. Oh, you just show up for court. Yeah, I'm just going to have everybody else show up to work. What about office space? They're that office glut. You know what? The pension funds have decided they're no longer going to be investing in REITs, real estate investment trusts, because no one's going to be occupying any office buildings anymore. Has anybody thought about that at all? Probably not, because it doesn't affect me. I don't have to pay attention to that. Well, you will when the economy caves. You absolutely will. The great resignation, what they're referring to this as. We have almost full employment. Well, in red states. Here's where this is really starting to factor in. The labor participation rate. More and more that's becoming even more important than the unemployment rate. People don't want to work. When people don't want to work, don't have a place to go, and they stay home all day, what happens? They get depressed. You're going to have higher suicide rates, and there's a direct correlation between alcohol and drug abuse and the labor participation rate in every single state. That shouldn't be a surprise to you. It's pretty common sense, and you would think it would make the most amount of sense. The great resignation is a crisis of belonging. Belonging to what? You have no purpose? You have no direction? So many people, how many people you hear that they retire, and that like a day, a week, a month after they retire, they die, flop on the floor dead. It's like, oh, he just retired. He had a heart attack, massive heart attack. Got depressed, off himself. Here's what you got from uh, these uh, newbies. I don't want to put the eight, nine, 10 hours of work and go out and have a beer and talk about work for another four hours. I just want to stay home. I don't need friends at work. How many people derive meaning from their friendships at work? It used to be the thing. Among nearly 4,000 hybrid workers surveyed by Gallup in June, 17% said they had a quote, best friend at work. That number has plummeted. For all workers, including those fully remote or on site, the share who reported a close work friend slipped less to 19% from 20% year over year. 
The data suggests that the link between having a best work friend and feeling committed to a job has grown strong over the past three years, meaning workers who don't have one are more likely to want to leave. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what his political thoughts are. I have no idea where he thinks. There's no camaraderie. There's no purpose. No, no one's driving towards anything. You lose everything when you lose your connections at work, in my opinion. Oh, I, have a, I need to get back to my family. How many, how many of these people that don't want to work actually have families? I don't see people live alone. They're accomplishing their little tasks, coloring their hair blue, doing their woke politics, getting in arguments with people on social media. They're constantly on their phones. They need their quiet time. They have their earphones plugged in. They have their heads firmly planted up their asses. What about the water cooler? What about the places where they used to gather things? You oh, what's a water cooler? I don't even know. I bring my own to work. See, we've become so completely separated through COVID. And, well, we waited for the news to come out. And we've been so connected to our screens and our TV that all of that's becoming a complete and total substitute. And you think that that is creating meaning in your life. Binge watching or watching the end to Better Call Saul or Game of Thrones or any of this stuff, that isn't anything contributing any meaning to your life. People think that they're connected to people in their neighborhood. How many of you guys know your neighbors? Maybe your whole entire life is lived vicariously through your kids. Is that meaningful? Well, I would say that that's more meaningful than many other things. But you yourself, after the kids have left the nest, what is going to be the meaning of your life? How about school and friendships and these kids? My kids are totally connected to their friends across the country and right here. But getting back to the denigration of the culture, and capitalism, and what this country is made by, which is people who work and do something together and create something, a project, a building, construction's way down. They can't find construction workers. Most of the construction workers that are coming, they're coming from across the border or people who are just, you know, fly-by-night labor. These businesses are having a time, hard time keeping their head above water. And it's because there's no social cohesiveness. No, you can't use Microsoft Teams or any of these things to actually create a real strong bond between people who have a purpose and are trying to accomplish something. And that's ultimately when people leave us as, well, where did he work? What did he do? What was his life's purpose? We used to have books like The Purpose Driven Life. No longer. People don't pay attention to that. Coworker relationships are no longer a top factor in job satisfaction. In fact, they're at the very lowest. Only 11% of employees rank coworker relationships as a top factor in job satisfaction. What do you get? Everyone's looking for one thing and one thing only, money, 46%. That's it. Nobody even knows what the word vocation means. Oh, did you say vacation? Another one? <coughs> you got COVID. I need to take a vacation. Oh, I love this. Work-life balance is 38%. <laughs> I've never seen more imbalance in my entire life, not just in this country, but amongst people. People are, they've got all sorts of, oh, I need more time to see my therapist. I need more time to take more drugs that my psychiatrist has given me. Job security, there is none. If your employer, if your employer doesn't feel valued, why do they need to value you? Again, if you don't need to validate who your employer is or who your contractor is or who you're with, why do they need to validate you? Job security is going to be out the door very quickly. 
Perks and benefits, there aren't going to be any. You can get all your perks and benefits from the government. And how about doing interesting work? Well, everyone's got their hustle, their side hustle, their little things that they'll do for cash that they'll do 10 times over as long as they can continue to collect that check from the government. Folks, we have completely and totally eradicated our work and business life. If you have a good one, I'd love to hear more about it. Because the Gen Z workers that are out there and the people who are looking for some sort of direction and value in their life aren't finding any. And they feel like they can go ahead and transition from one job to another to another. That might seem like a good thing in the short term. They might get a little bit more money. There might be 10 or 15 or 20 different employers all racing to go ahead and do whatever they can to go ahead and bring them in. The long-term value is they know that they're going to be traded. They know that they left for somewhere for some more money. And what value do you really bring me anyway? In my opinion, the highest job satisfaction that you can possibly have is if you own your own business or if you do something for yourself for a purpose that you are creating. Something that you see as valuable in this world. And that is the most valuable thing of all. Everybody should have a vocation. Everybody should have a direction. Everybody should know by the time that they go to college what they want to major in and what they want to become. 550-5500. That's 550-5500. When we return, we'll talk about COVID and health. The rise of monkeypox in the sex trade as well. I just listened to Laid on Spotify. How weird, watching live on rockatot.tv today. If you stay home, you get bored, start smoking pot to kill time, then abuse the booze, then the brain is so fried you lose track of what's real and spiral down the rabbit hole unless you're fortunate enough to have someone to see through your smoke screen and help you out, such as a uh, employer, such as yourself. Uh, not an employer, but that's for Murder Mike. Uh, Mike. Mike's been through some things, and he seems some things as well. School's money to follow the student. We need to make sure that the money does not have the strings attached for the data mining the kids. That privacy needs to be nuke-proof safe. Nothing gets released without a signed notarized waiver with full disclosure of who, what, when, where, and how that data will be handled, delivered, and disseminated, if at all. <clears throat> MLG positive for COVID. Ronald Reagan said, trust but verify. Yes, same Democrat talking point. I don't believe her. You don't believe that she's sick? I don't know. I've never, I, I don't get sick and I've never called in sick. I'm, oh, I'm too sick. No, there's one time uh, somebody worked me so hard that I had walking pneumonia. I mean, he stressed me out so much and I literally, and then the, the guy was like the most abusive man I think I've ever met in my entire life. Now, he has his name on commercial real estate signs all over the city. He's a total idiot. He doesn't realize like he was never able to become truly successful because you get rid of the golden goose. I was that golden goose. Um, that's a, Stephen Hoffenberg found dead at 77. Criminal. Criminal. Yeah, he's the guy who helped uh, Jeffrey Epstein on his scheme in the 80s and uh, early 90s. Let's get to some uh, local stuff. And then I'm going to do COVID 
uh, to kick off uh, hour two, along with something that you have to hear uh, from Mark Stein. And, you know, a pound of cure is better than the vax. And this on this day where our governor has uh, COVID-19 and there's no reason not to believe her. I can't, you know, okay, she's lied about a lot of things, but why would someone lie about, you know, I had a funeral to go to, or I had to, you know, I had to go ahead and, uh, you know, I have COVID-19 or I had a heart attack or someone, you know, we, why would someone ever make something like that up? That I could never understand because it's like, you know, poking the bear, you're touting uh, karma. You know, I just don't, don't like that. I just can't imagine anybody ever doing that. I've never done it. And so why would anybody else? So that's the way I see things. I see things as I see them. <clears throat> Law enforcement releases the names of, we do some quick headlines uh, here in New Mexico. Matthew Risen writing about the five names of men released. And I, I, I brought this out and I was surprised to see it because we don't oftentimes get the names of many of the victims who are out there. Have you noticed that? So the next of kin and the next of kin. Oh, by the way, Gilbert Gallegos was the PR person. I tried to reach Gilbert Gallegos on the fifth floor. I went down to APD. To this day, Gilbert Gallegos, to today, you have not given me a scanner so we can keep track and so I can keep Murder Mike occupied with what's going on out there. You can't give them to illeg illegitimate news organizations. Gilbert Gallegos, Albuquerque Police Department spokesman, said the deaths of Edgar Rodriguez Silva, 28, Francis Pete Jr., 41, Raymond Aviles, 46, are being investigated as homicides. And then they have to always be, they're always focused on the stats. And then they, they the Matthew Risen, the Albuquerque Journal, helps them separate it. Bernalillo County Sheriff's Office, Angelina Navarro. No, those don't count on ours. Not on our watch. We're at uh, 98, by the way, 98 homicides. So the agency is investigating the deaths of Ricky Newman, 37, Guadalupe Nunez, 52, as homicides. No arrests have been reported in any one of the cases, which date all the way back to mid-July. There you go. So I'm not going to go line by line on all this, um, but basically July 18th, 2 a.m., 12th in Candelaria, Rodriguez uh, Silva was fatally shot. Thank you for the report. 1230, BCSO responded to reports of a man's body being found. I'm wondering if my request for the scanners is the reason why they're coming out and reporting this. Deputies found, am I so, is that so vain of me to, to, to say? I don't think so. Deputies found Newman slain in the area, but have not released a cause of death on 2nd on Lagunitas, 12.30 p.m. on the same day. Maybe related. One's BCSO, and then one is APD. July 28th, deputies responded to shooting of 7-Eleven on Coors near Gun Club. We found also for a lot of deaths there. Uh, good uh, video there on Albuquerque Raw if you want to you know, go ahead and see that. I can't see it because I've been banned from YouTube. July 28th. 7-Eleven Coors near Gun Club. Uh, deputies found Nunez dead from one gunshot wound to, on the scene. BCSO released photos of the possible suspects. August 6th, nobody's apprehended. August 6th, 1.30 a.m. Eastern and Amherst. Avila shot to death at the scene. And also from the Albuquerque Journal, August 18th, 5.40 a.m. Man screaming at Morningside, Led and Carlisle. You can actually see uh, the dead body there. Pete was fatally stabbed in the park. Albuquerque Raw having the video there as well. So they're saying that they have 83. I have 98, 98 uh, homicides. Uh, uh, two killed, five shot in broad daylight, an open-air drug market near the U.S. Capitol building. Now, here's what's amazing about this. This is in Washington, D.C. This happened overnight, okay? On Oath, the corner of Oath and O and uh, North Capitol Street in an open-air drug market. I'm not so interested in that as I am in the number of homicides in a city that's five times as large. That's right, folks. 
we're pretty close to the number of murders that they've had in Washington, D.C. this year. They've had 118 murders this year. Or excuse me, 136. Last year, they had 118 at this time. 100 and, 131 murders have occurred to this point this year. Pretty amazing. All right, latest uh, election polling coming out from Breitbart. Have a statistical deadlock right now between Democrat Michelle Lujan Grisham, Republican Mark Ronchetti uh, in the latest poll. And guess who is there in the spoiler? Uh, Karen Bedoni. That's right. The the former Republican, now libertarian opportunist. Uh, she is there with apparently 5%. If you're Republican, uh, let's just say you like New Mexico the way it is and you want to keep it, then, then, then vote for Karen Bedoni. Why is anyone voting for Karen Bedoni? Seriously. How are you not voting for Mark Ronchetti? The poll reveals Grisham is leading among state Hispanic population, 56 to Ronchetti's 37. With all voters, Grisham is viewed unfavorably by 44% of the voters. Yep, Karen Bedoni in there with a plus or minus margin of error, 3.9%. Karen Bedoni, you need to get out of the race. Seriously. You're going to ruin it for the state for another four years, and it's all going to be on your hands. Well, Mark's of this, Mark's of that. Nobody cares. You're not a Republican. You're a libertarian. Uh, speaking of elections, lawsuit seeking to bar GOP candidate from the ballot. Um, actually received a call from this guy. Did not interview him. Don't know if I will, actually. Um, actually, I'm not going to interview anybody who's not on the station. It's just going to be that simple. And, you know, I'll call it in on where I need to see it. But uh, Jacobo Candelaria, he is uh, representing a um, representative, Miguel Garcia of Albuquerque. And he issued a court challenge yesterday on behalf of him that prevents Solomon Pena from holding elected office. This is interesting from the Democrats, right? They love their criminals in every way, shape, and form. They don't care if their own elected officials are criminals. But Solomon Pena has had a checkered past, but he's improved. Right? Pena has declined to answer journal questions, however. Uh, not a good move, Solomon. Answer your phone. Answer the journal questions. Come clean. Talk about how your, your road to recovery. Position yourself as someone who's not going to do the things that you did in the past. He spent seven years in prison after being convicted in 2008 a stealing large amount of goods from several Albuquerque retail stores in a reported smash and grab scheme. He was reportedly part of a burglary crew that used stolen vehicles to smash into stores and take high-end electronics. Not good. I'm probably not going to interview him, but at least come clean. If you're going to try and run and represent people, go and tell people how you turned your life around. I think that would be good. And then maybe we'll talk about getting you on and talking a little about it. A pretty good uh, politician, a man I like, Dan Lewis, my friend. He is uh, also listening to the Albuquerque Journal. Jessica Dyer doing a, a good job of this. I appreciate this because I think it positions Dan Lewis, who likely wants to run for mayor of Albuquerque in a couple of, about two, three years, I would imagine. It'd be hard to elect a white Republican in Albuquerque, but we'll see. You guys couldn't elect a Hispanic Republican. I don't know why, but um, you know, that's the story for another day. It's going to air on Wednesday, August 31st. Forged in Fire, I guess him and his uh, brother, he has a knife shop in Phoenix, Arizona. The Dan Lewis is going to be on that. So make sure you guys pay attention to that. He's keeping mum about the final uh, sort of results of all that. Uh, I guess it's some competition, Forged in Fire, nine seasons. It's been around for a while. But uh, make sure that you guys uh, tune into that. So uh, it's going to be nice to see uh, Dan Lewis. And I'm interested to see how he comes out on TV, right? 
Maybe if I was like, you know, 65 pounds less than what I was when I was running for mayor, you guys would have voted for me. Is that, is that what I've taken? I don't know. <laughs> I only laugh because it might be a little bit true. That guy's a big guy. El Sábado Gigante. <laughs> U.S. Highway 180 collapses after flooding damages uh, the roadway. That's in southern New Mexico. So it's totally impassable. And they're turning all traffic around. I think even now, we checked this afternoon, all traffic back to Silver City or Cliff, depending upon the direction of travel. There's no timeline on when the New Mexico DOT. Uh, why doesn't Michelle Lujan Grisham put a giant sign next to that and say that, uh, you know, this is what she's done to improve the uh, New Mexico Department of Transportation and your your tax dollars at work. So I don't know uh, how much of a notification those poor drivers are going to get on that long, lonely stretch of highway. But this is all due to the flooding here in the state of New Mexico because we're in such a drought, right? We have flooding everywhere, but everything's in a drought. So there you go. A lot more to get to in uh, hour number two, just for you right here in the ABQ. We'll talk about a pound of cure is better than the vax and COVID in health. And yes, that monkey pox will kick that off right there. And what's happening at Georgetown University and why people like me <coughs> never got sick from COVID-19, huh? Indestructible, right, Michelle Lujan Grisham? Stay tuned. Back up to the hour news. Albuquerque's macro aggression, Eddie Aragon, the Rock of Talk. I am Eddie Aragon, the Rock of Talk. I'm ABQ.FMRockofTalk.com. Hour two coming at you here from the ABQ, hour one in the books. Covered a lot of ground uh, right there. Don't forget, you can catch us directly on Roku TV, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, podcasting on Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Spotify, rockoftalk.tv, rockoftalk.com for your free apps for now. And so I don't know when they turn that thing on. You, you ask them to do it, and it's like, uh, when is this going to happen? So there you go. I uh, appreciate everybody uh, tuning in as always. You can see you, uh, you know, lovely people out there. I can't see you through the screen. You can see me. Uh, we're right here. And uh, don't forget the replays on demand now. Last 10 shows of this show, last three shows of the Liberty Lovers, and uh, last show of every other one's. Wish I could afford more bandwidth than that, but you guys are eating it up. Uh, we have uh, used more bandwidth this month uh, than we have any other month. Uh, by the way, first hour, we covered Governor Lujan, Lujan Grisham uh, testing positive for COVID-19. California approving the uh, rules to ban gasoline-powered cars by 2035. They did that today. And the judge ordering and a victory for us Republicans and I think for all Americans. Justice Department is releasing the redacted Affidavit leading to the search for Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago home. And I give you how all of you Republicans out there, right? Don't trust the FBI or the DOJ. And the numbers are in from the Trafalgar Group. Education loan forgiveness. No national teacher shortage. No working. And, of course, a lot of New Mexico news, including Karen Bedoni. Get the hell out of the race. All right. Let's kick it off here with uh, hour two. And it's the rise of the monkey pop. Oh, these are just disgusting stories. Uh, you, you get across this stuff and you're like, uh, what is going on here? So the LA Times wrote about this this morning and it's the, uh, you know, 
Boom. Oh, by the way, congratulations to all the students out there who don't have to go to class and who can go hang out in front of the White House and celebrate the fact that they got their loans uh, forgiven, their federal loans. They're celebrating and do everything to keep Donald Trump, that rich, evil man, out of the White House. With my, Listen to this. With monkeypox on the rise, Lady K decided to hold off on meeting clients in hotel rooms or private dungeons. The 32-year-old dominatrix had already been taking precautions to protect herself from the coronavirus, insisting that clients show that they were vaccinated against COVID-19 or had recently tested negative. Now the South LA residents was worried about the newest outbreak, an infectious virus that can travel through skin-to-skin contact and has spread intimate encounters. I want to get more into making sure my limbs are covered. And I definitely want more judiciously to wear gloves, latex glove, which adds to it. Now, before we get too down this path, you know where this is going. This is an apologetic piece about how the government isn't doing enough to protect the sex worker trade. That's right, folks. From the monkeypox outbreak. The virus has predominantly hit gay and bisexual men so far. Uh, it's actually only. I think there's maybe one or two cases in this country. I think a few dogs are also. Sorry. It's true. I have to say it. Just tell me get through this segment here, please. I know many of you haven't had uh, dinner yet, but it gets even worse. That's okay. Just hang on. I'm not going to get graphic. Italian man tests positive for COVID-19, uh, COVID-19, monkeypox, and HIV all in the same day. Lucky guy. <laughs> I laugh only because it's like, well, how does, how does this even get tested? Oh, well, here it is, folks. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> went in for monkeypox. They decided to do the COVID-19 swab, and because he had monkeypox, and he's gay. They tested him for HIV. And the 36-year-old Italian stallion had a sore throat, headaches, nine days after returning from a trip to where else? Ibiza, where he had unprotected sex with other men, according to a case study in the Journal of Infection. He tested positive for COVID-19 on July 2nd. Then within an hour, started getting a rash and small blisters around his body, legs, and face. And then Bob's your uncle got the COVID-19. Yeah. Nice to sex trade, huh? How's that working out for you? I mean, Ibiza, how's that working out for you? He also learned that he had HIV despite being negative when he last tested the previous September. Hmm. This is the only reported case of monkeypox, SARS-CoV-2, and HIV co-infection. There's still not enough evidence supporting the combination may aggravate a patient's condition. I don't think we're that worried about him because he's not worried about himself. But they're going to go ahead and amplify every single thing out there is that the government did. You can't protect. Government can't protect a man from doing the kind of dangerous things to himself. He knows that he's totally out of his mind. Oh, we're uh, having a great time getting slammed, doing drinks, you're popping pills, blah, blah, blah. You know, having all sorts of going into, I, I guess they go into black rooms and do all this whatever leave it at that well a place where uh they don't allow fraternizing at least when i applied back in the day was georgetown university they ain't going to be getting the monkey pox there i don't think because they've taken it completely the other direction and i'm not saying that this is a good thing but it's a woke university and it's run by those black-hearted jesuits 
By the way, Father Chav is no longer at St. Therese. Just a little FYI for you. Speaking of, I don't know, monkeypox and, you know, the Immaculate Conception, the uh, the gay priest down there who was formerly married in San Francisco. They, someone ought to test him for monkeypox. Georgetown University mandating masks for students during in-class instruction. <laughs> Might as well be the University of New Mexico. The mask mandate is requiring its students to continue wearing masks and during in-class instruction this fall and lingering cases of COVID-19 and nationwide outbreaks of monkeypox. Yes. I hope those people who are out there protesting or, or celebrating the fact that Joe Biden gave him $10,000, I hope they've all been tested for these types of things, right? Folks, I never got sick. I was probably exposed to COVID. Remember, I also campaigned, shook hands, met as many people as I possibly could. I did. Yeah, yeah, that was me out there. Yeah, shaking hands, pressing the flesh, talking to every single person, did my oregano, did my OSHA, did everything. Not one time did I get COVID. Mm-mm. Exposed to COVID, some don't get sick. I want to remind you of that. There are people who take good care of themselves. They hydrate. They get plenty of sleep. They do OSHA. They're not stressed. They take their oregano oil. And they generally don't pick their nose and they take showers. Yeah. I just did both for you just to let you know I'm totally fine. Why? Because I'm afraid of the shot for one. Two, I don't like doctors touching me. I don't even, I shave my own head. Because I don't like people who cut hair to touch my head. Have you noticed that a barber will never wash his hands? Have you ever noticed that? I bet you haven't. Oh, next. <laughs> Wait, didn't you just have your hair, hands all over that previous person's head? Like, don't touch me. Don't touch me. But what I'm most, af most afraid of are these unbelievable components that have been found in all the COVID vaccines. And I want you to stay tuned through the bottom of the hour with me because you have to hear this. Unusual toxic components found in COVID vaccines. If you read Epic this morning, you, you, you read about it. If not, here it is. The following metallic elements were found in the vaccines. Alkali metals, calcium and potassium, casium, excuse me. Alkaline earth metals, calcium and barium. Transition metals, cobalt, iron, chromium, titanium. Rare earth metals, cerium, gadolinium. Mining group metal, aluminum, carbon group, silicon, and oxygen group, sulfur. The substances are visible under the skin in the dark-filled microscope as distinctive as complex structures of different sizes and can only partially be explained as a result of crystallization decomposition processes and cannot be explained as contamination from the manufacturing process. The findings built on the work of other researchers in the international community who have described similar findings have all said the number and consistencies of the allegations of the contamination alone, coupled with the eerie silence of the global safety regulatory bodies, is troublesome and perplexing in terms of transparency. We're going to talk about why that is and what's happening. Folks, it's better to go ahead and take hydroxychloroquine rather than get the music. Everything I wish I didn't know. 
see here in the Kiva, well, what Trump did wasn't all bad. He did listen to Burks and Fauci, and maybe that wasn't good. Right? We know that. It was this blitz of messages in 2020 to Dr. Stephen Hahn, the director of the U.S. Food and Drug Administration at the time, regarding hydroxychloroquine. What did they do? They kept 60 million doses of that off the shelves. They didn't want you to get better. They're like, oh, we're going to go ahead and ramp these guys up. And once we get the vaccine, we're going to stick all this crap in there, right? Beryllium and negativium and, you know, kill you off I mean, all these bad metals and stick them in there. Come on, folks. These are pharmaceutical companies. They know what's in them. This is on purpose. You know it's on purpose, okay? I don't have to tell you that. Why would you take something that is cheap off the shelves if it works? And why do people in Africa and other developing nations who literally pounding away at the hydroxychloroquine, why did they did not have these huge, massive, you know, COVID death lists? Hydroxychloroquine. An anti-malarial has shown some efficacy in COVID-19 prophylactic and treatment. But no other studies found has little or no effect. In fact, not one other study, but that's exactly the information that they gave to Donald Trump. Burks actually sent one of the emails and told Han, we should talk. <laughs> We're still waiting to make a bunch of money off this and kill off a bunch of people. The FDA on April 24th, 2020 warned about using drugs outside the hospitals and clinical trials about two months later. Revoked the authorization of hydroxychloroquine after several studies indicated the drug did not work against COVID-19. Well, we, I don't know. We just came up with it. Gain of function. Yeah, we had all the, we had plans. Let's get in the way of our plans. This hydroxychloroquine, it's cheap. It's easy. It's uh, inconvenient. Peter Navarro, the FBI showed up to take that guy out, remember, at the airport. And Dr. Stephen Hatfield, a virologist who was helping the White House respond to COVID-19 pandemic, launched an effort for hydroxychloroquine reauthorization and included drafting a public petition calling on the FDA to authorize it, according to the Epic Times. Guess what happened? Nada. They just wanted everybody to take the vaccine. Oh, we're 98%, 99%, 2,000%, you know, 500% vaccinated. We want every single person. In fact, just well, let's just vaccinate for fun. But what have we now found? Like nobody under the age of five is getting vaccinated. It's like 96% of all kids under the age of five not vaccinated. They're literally throwing away vaccinations. Might have something to do with this. Thanks, Mark Stein. Good to hear your voice. Yeah. On Sunday, mountain biker Rab Wardell won the Scottish cross-country championship, the national championship. On Monday, the champ went on BBC Scotland to talk about his victory. Talk me through it then. How do you contend with three punctures in a race like this and go on to lift the gold medal? Unfortunately, I'm probably a little bit too too well practised in managing (laughs) punctures. But uh, no, it was... uh, Yeah, it was... was, uh, to be honest, it was a bit of a disaster. But no, I just, just had to, to, to keep on trucking and, and keep racing. And I guess still felt confident that I'd be able to, to catch the leaders and, and win. So, yeah, just give them my best shot. So a tremendous come-from-behind win on the Sunday. On the Mondays on the BBC Talk. About it, full of life there. Then he goes home and dies. 
Headline from the Daily Record, mountain biker Rab Wardell dies just two days after winning Scottish Championship. He went into cardiac arrest on Tuesday morning, less than 48 hours after winning a national championship. His poor, devastated girlfriend, Commonwealth Games and Olympics champion, Katie Archibald, uh, tried to revive him, but she was unable to, as she subsequently tweeted. I still don't understand what's happened. If this is real, why he'd be taken now so healthy and happy. Rab Wardell was 37, which is no age to die. Nothing to see here in cycling and nothing to see here in rugby from the Huddersfield Daily Examiner. Tributes to Halifax rugby player Ben Ben, who has died suddenly, aged 30. Ben Ben from Siddle died suddenly on Monday, leaving his family and friends completely shocked. The 30-year-old dad played competitive rugby for a host of local league and union teams, including Huddersfield Giants and Bradford Bulls. Nothing to see here in rugby, nothing to see here in cycling, nothing to see here in football. Uh, from the Daily Mirror, quote, tributes have poured in after the sudden death of West Belfast footballer Molly White. Uh, Molly White was 20 and a rising star in women's football. Uh, nothing to see here in boxing. Also from the Belfast Telegraph, a young boxer who passed away suddenly had an infectious smile and kind-hearted nature, his West Belfast club said. St. Michael's Boxing Club led tributes to 19-year-old Dominic Oscar after his death last Thursday. Nothing to see here in cycling, rugby, football, boxing, 37 years old, 30 years old, 20 years old, 19. Fit, healthy, in the peak of condition, and dead, but nothing to see here. A few months ago, I thought there might be something to see here in all these sportsmen suddenly dying, and I'm being investigated by Ofcom over it, so I certainly wouldn't want to make that mistake again. Nevertheless, as we've reported, in the Canadian province of Alberta, the leading cause of death is not cancer or dementia, but cause unknown. Uh, death from unknown causes. This was uh, how it's, you see the way, it was just 500 in 2019. Two years later, it's three and a half thousand. Cause All right, I'm going to put you on pause for a sec. Our whole entire online just got taken off, but our TV is still going. There you go. That is actually verifiable as I talked about that right there. As I'm playing Mark Stein and his audio they banned it from the internet. I don't know how the heck they did that, but they have cut off our feed and I can't even get it even here in studio off of the feed where I can actually check it. Unknown is now spreading to other provinces, including my own native Sod, Ontario. On Saturday, Rhea Vernort from Hamilton was jet skiing on Lake Ontario with old friends she hadn't seen since the COVID came along. The friends turned away and then looked back and saw Ms. Vanort's body floating in the lake. Also sudden death. She was 32 and a paramedic, which I mentioned because it means certain things can be inferred. She leaves a six-year-old daughter. Okay, let's move from the case studies to the big picture. Here is a table from a new report. I expect you're wondering who it's by, some crazy far-right QAnon conspiracy theorist? No, it's the US Society of Actuaries, an actuary 
for the benefit of you Twitter trolls, is a person who calculates insurance risk. And if you don't do that accurately, you wind up paying out a lot more money than you ever intended to. So let's look at Table 5.7 from the Society of Actuaries showing excess deaths in America broken down by age. Focus on that uh, red bit. Uh, we'll come to that in a minute. At the left-hand side of the table from 2020, the spring and summer of COVID, it's not good. You can see excess deaths of 15 and 16 percent. Thank goodness all those vaccines came along. Eh? But then look at the third quarter of 2021. Twice as many dead 35 to 44-year-olds as there should be. Uh, and actually almost as lousy numbers for those in their late 20s and early 50s. So look at that, excess mortality for 25 to 54-year-olds, young and middle-aged Americans. Anything going on in the third quarter of 2021? Well, that was actually the peak of vaccine mandates in America, uh, where in a variety of occupations, from paramedics uh, to Manhattan waitresses in diners. You had to get jabbed to keep your job. And oddly enough, that coincides with massive excess mortality among people in the prime of life. But altogether now, correlation is not causation. That's the dispositive line there. Okay, we've seen a similar picture in the European Union. Here's the latest report from Eurostat. They're keeping it simple uh, here. The pale yellow is for countries with the lowest excess deaths. Uh, so that's like Hungary, where deaths are actually down 0.3%. Uh, Slovakia, deaths are down 1.9%. Bulgaria, 7.9%. So Bulgaria's got a, the opposite problem for most places. It's got excess life. Uh, you'll scan the Bulgar papers in vain for sudden death from cause unknown. Whereas that dark maroon there, those are the worst countries with excess mortality over 15%. Estonia, 16.2%. Spain, 16.7%. Portugal, excess mortality of 23.9%. More dead bodies than usual. Tell you what, just for fun, boys and girls, let's also take a look at vaccination rates in Europe. Uh, this is the uh, rundown of countries. So look at that. The least vaccinated country in Europe is Bulgaria. And they also have the least excess mortality. Hmm. And the most vaccinated country in Europe is Malta, which isn't included in the excess mortality stats. So let's go to the second most vaccinated country in Europe, Portugal. And they have the highest excess mortality in Europe. So the lowest country with the lowest vaccination rate has the lowest excess mortality, and the country with the highest vaccination rate has the highest excess mortality. But altogether now, correlation is not causation. What's really amazing about that, and if you're listening over the AM station, which you can only be listening, uh, that's playing on my Rock of Talk TV, and they literally cut our feed off of the internet. It's all being monitored, folks. There it is. That is unbelievable. Uh, I'm going to replay that again, see what I can do to reconnect on that. Back after a quick break. Yesterday I got so old, I felt like I could die. Yesterday I got so old, it made me want to cry. 
taken directly offline because literally everything should not only that we have fiber here we have 100% ironclad like firewall protected everything they went after our server as soon as this information started coming out I've got nothing as far as the internet you can hear me uh, I mean you can hear our stuff on rockoftalk.tv and watch it there uh, for the internet transmission uh, on that but that was unbelievable and undeniable Went after the FM translator, went after uh, the actual uh, AM itself, been taken out every single way. And then as soon as I start playing the Mark Stein stuff, which was absolutely fabulous, and you just heard it, nobody does it better, in my opinion, than Mark Stein. I'm not sure why, you know, he didn't uh, get to replace uh, Rush uh, for a while. I thought he did a very capable job. And he starts coming out with this. This is what we got. Unbelievable. So um, just got taken out. Except that it isn't. We've been saying that about vaxes about almost every day for two years. Okay. <sighs> Roll with the punches. Tomorrow's another day. Here we go. All right. So we covered a lot of ground here. The pound of cure is better than the vax, as you just heard. Those numbers are absolutely staggering. And that's what this election should be about. I mean, when it, when it all boils down is we should be be able to trust the media, we should be able to trust our doctors. We should be able to trust, you know, our politicians. We can't trust anybody anymore. You guys trust me. That's why you listen. Because you know that I've got your back. We're following all the information for you. I'll have all this uh, stuff posted so you, so you have this. Well, then 6 and 10, don't trust the American media. I think it's higher than that. 26% rate of the media's work balance-wise is roughly the same. 10% believe the media is doing a better job of importing, informing readers and viewers, all Democrats. The Rasmussen survey, which recorded the opinions of 1,000 likely midterm voters over a two-day period, 21st to the 22nd of August, comes with a 95% confidence rate, margin of error of 2%. The fake news component factored into the Rasmussen survey, the whopping 82% saying the deceptive media practices were either, quote-unquote, somewhat serious or very serious problem. 82%. 62% said a serious problem. Can you imagine if you told these people they need to get vaxxed, you need to stay home, you know, and only to realize two and a half years later they were all in on the game? They were all in on it. Right from the very beginning. Highest trust levels regarding media and politics? All from liberals. Liberals and Democrats. They love their media. Tell me what we want to hear. I don't want to hear any negativity. I just want to do what you tell me. 90% of Republicans don't trust the media. Interesting number here. 58% of Republicans don't trust Fox News. Mm. Yeah. Unlike the liberals who we want, to, you to tell, we want you to tell us the truth. That's why Republicans don't trust Fox News. Fox News has lied to us. 
Fox News did a total 180 on Donald Trump during the election. Do you guys remember that? How about trusting the voting? It's all about the election. Be able to trust the information that we get from our media and go to the polls based upon the information that we're getting. We want to be able to trust that so we can make informed decisions. How do you make an informed decision? I watch the news. I read the paper. And then I go to the polls. Oh, wow. Lies, lies, lies. And stealing and cheating. Well, you can't cheat in uh, Florida. 25 of the 30 school board members endorsed by Governor Ron DeSantis in Florida won in their races. Campaigning on parental rights, transparency, cool school choice, safety, you know, oh, don't say gay. Nobody ever said that. We just don't want you to indoctrinate our children. Sarasota County, four to one majority. I think we had a little bit of that happen here in the Albuquerque school board. This is huge. Charlie Crist might want to throw in the towel now. He says, don't vote for me if you're a DeSantis supporter. Oh, okay. <laughs> a lot of people saying that today. I think uh, Crystal actually you know, give DeSantis a run for the money because of the corrupt media and the corrupt election. Remember the hanging Chad? Where was that? Broward County. Don't you remember this? COVID restrictions awaken the parents to the failings of too many public schools and their entrenched union control. Oh, yeah. We don't make enough. We're overworked. We're underpaid. Republicans want a positive message for the midterm. There you go, Mark Ronchetti. That's a good one. It's all you need, baby. Just run to them. Be out there in front. Don't get sick. Shake hands. Keep looking good. Be out there with your family. Please. Do whatever you possibly can to just save us from going any lower than we, we can. Even if you don't bring us back as fast, I'm, I'm, I'm cool with it. Okay? So it's a big task. Generations in the making. So what do the Democrats do? Oh, they tell you. They're coming after your wombs. They're not going to let you kill your babies. In fact, the uh, White House is all about this. Protecting your health. Killing your babies. Protecting your health. Killing your babies. The White House today held a ruling by a federal judge in Idaho that temporarily halted the state's abortion ban from taking effect. Oh, what happened? I thought Roe v. Wade was the end of everything. Federal judge in Idaho. There it is. One of those Obama appointees, probably. Federal judge determined that women in Idaho will continue to receive life-saving and health-preserving emergency care. Yes, because it's all about life-saving and health-preserving, isn't it? When you're killing a baby. The ruling will prevent serious harm to women in Idaho. Now, there are particular cases where that might be the case, where it's the mother versus the baby. But to make that as your center argument, when you have the unbelievable number, did you know that the murder rate per thousand, per hundred thousand in in New Mexico is lower than the, yes, the abortions per 100,000? Remember, that's only half the population. So it's really per 50,000, but they use the entire number. When I read that number, he's like, you mean to tell me? Yes, of course. What am, what am I thinking? We're about 28 to 30 per 100,000, roughly, right now in the city of Albuquerque. You don't want to know what the abortion rate is, and I won't tell you. We've had enough disturbing hour of power here in number two, right? Biden signed two executive orders on abortion rights since their overturning of Roe v. Wade that aimed to protect access to abortion, access to murder, 
and emergency murder care for pregnant people and support people who travel out of state to seek abortions. Yes. Protect the murderers. We're good at that. You guys are good at that. Way to go, Democrats. In fact, they're not even apologetic about it. This is their entire strategy. You want to motivate people? Talk to them about how they can murder their babies. Yeah, that's right. Democrats are riding their own wave. Surveys suggest abortion murder is rising in importance as a voting issue. And the Democratic Party is poised to benefit from the polls. Look, if someone is that hell-bent on doing it and they need to do it and they don't want it, they're going to find a way to do it. States' right, federal rights, look, you lost. Roe v. Wade got overturned. You lost 6-3. It's as simple as that. There's nothing you can do. Now, if you want to go ahead and move to a blue state where you can murder babies, by all means. Louisiana, 58.1 per 100,000 births. I won't tell you what New Mexico is. They're trying to say that just this entire thing that they can stake their entire November midterm elections on this and this alone. The trend is observed with the House special elections that have taken place since the court's decision to over, overrule Roe. Democrats in Nebraska's first district cut a 15-point GOP advantage to just five points. See, it's not even about the baby. It's not even about the woman. It's about the election. It's about murder. In Minnesota's first district, the Republican advantage fell from 10 to 4. That's a huge red flag for GOP lawmakers. You better get on board with murder, baby. Sorry. If Biden and the congressional Democrats want to ride the wave of pro-choice enthusiasm into November, they'll need to strip more visibly into the fray and start leading the crowd. Murder! Murder! I don't normally get this excited about this issue. But the fact that they're so damn excited about it makes me want to get so excited about it. I mean, it makes us on the right side of things and even the far right seem a little bit normal. Like, you're going to use this as a way to rally your base? Wait, your base of murderers? Like, New Mexico, you were founded on Jesus Christ, the Franciscans, and wine and building families. Like, I'm trying to understand this. Please help me. I'm, I'm going to regret saying this, and I'm going to say this right now. But how we think about life and how we think about our Judeo-Christian heritage and history in the state of New Mexico will determine ultimately whether or not we vote to replace Michelle Lujan Grisham, the chief murderer in, chief, in, in, uh, in office up on the fourth floor. Because the abortion clinics that have been shut down in Mississippi have decided that murder is such a great thing in the state of New Mexico, both on the streets and in the womb, that they're willing to relocate here. Bring us your criminals, bring us your murderers, bring us your illegal immigrants, bring us your thieves, bring us them all. We welcome them here, and we'll even have a dance with you. Just like Michelle Lujan Grisham was dancing with Los Paz back in the South Valley. 550-5500, that's 550-5500, but I only wish the best things on Michelle Lujan Grisham. I certainly hope nothing happens to her with regard to COVID-19. And I mean that genuinely. And I can't imagine that someone I'm ever fake having COVID-19. That just seems very strange to me. Why would someone say that? It's almost like inviting COVID-19 in, isn't it? Back after a quick break, more great talk when we return. You better say your prayers. A whisper to the wise. Thank your lucky stars 
Mark Stein thing that absolutely lit that thing off and shut it down and then right back up. There it is. So I guarantee once I start playing Mark Stein again and uh, do my lead in with Burks and the government and all the rest of the stuff, so they're just letting me know that they're here. They're going to regret killing me. Trust me. They will. Suffering from the bodyguard of lies, New Mexico is under a spell with KOAT and KKOB as the source. Oh, this is good. Joseph Pulitzer, publisher, politician, a cynical mercenary demagogic press will in time produce a, pers- a people as base as itself. And certainly uh, we are that. I went to the uh, courthouse. Somebody's suing me civilly. Very interesting. <clears throat> Volunteer, but uh, request money. Okay. Whoever heard that before? <laughs> it's funny. No need to out the person. Must be sad enough to do all that paperwork. Remember, I'm the one who took on the sheriff. I'm the one who took on the mayor. Made them look silly, silly, silly. Still gets to everyone. Everyone, especially these people have been in. Who is this man? Who is this Eddie Aragon guy? Why is he such a problem for us? Why is he always in the middle of everything? Rasmussen. They gave you the numbers. Absolutely incredible. 82%. Take that number to the bank. 82% saying the deceptive media practice were either somewhat serious or very serious. In other words, it's serious. Who you trust, where you get your information from, that's what counts. What did you hear? How did you hear it? Where's the backup? Where's the information? Put that on rockoftalk.chat. Media is powerful. Papers, publishers. TV, talking heads, radio, personalities. Very important where you get your information from. Dick Morris is a guy, well, he's helped the other side. He denounced the New York Times for covering the world better than it does its own city. But he states that it's, quote, unquote, a political machine, and he would be right. The ability to get the trust of your audience enough to go ahead and we do everything that they say and twice on Sunday. And the ability to manipulate and change an election. From this very microphone, from the writings of the Albuquerque Journal, or from the talking heads of Believe What Shelley Rabondo and Tessa Mentes and these people, Doug the Thud, say on TV. The New York Times had a tie race. Morris told co-host Bob Sellers and Katrina Shish on Newsmax that they turned the race for Representative Jerry Nadler against Representative Carolyn Maloney on a dime. The race was 34-34. Then the New York Times ruled, ruled for Jerry Nadler. They literally said, he won. Remember, that's what happened the night that Donald Trump lost in the 2020 election. Oh, we'll call the race. We'll call the race. Remember Red Blue back in 2000? Bush, Gore. Gore, Gore was sure he had it. 
he was willing to stop at nothing. And on December 13th, wait, we got to go ahead and call it in. You're going to have to go ahead and oh, never become president, Al Gore. I was mad at that time. I was on the other side. Didn't really understand it, but got you emotional. You stayed up all night. Ruled for Jerry Nadler. Media says, oh, yeah, must be. Oh, you said it on the radio, said it on TV, said it on the newspaper. They're gaslighting you. That Matt Mehmet Oz, Dr. Oz, his Senate race in Pennsylvania with Fetterman is actually a lot closer than that. The races in here in New Mexico is likely being led by Ron Ketty, not by Michelle Lujan Grisham. There's no way you could believe that a majority of New Mexicans want that idiot to go ahead and serve another four years. And she's an idiot. Look at those stupid commercials. She's an idiot. Her, her advisors, but she is a strong-headed, strong-willed, committed idiot. She is the best politician. You know, the best politician is the one that can just absolutely lie through their teeth with a straight face and then believe their own lies and then punish the people who won't believe their lies that they believe that they're telling themselves. Like, that's the best politician. We've seen that. Not, not going to do it. Raise taxes, right? Bill Clinton. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Monica Lewinsky. Okay, okay. Then you loved him for it after he did. I would have cheated on her too. Then you wanted to, those very same people wanted her to, oh my gosh, how could she lose? She deserved to be president. People having meltdowns. Folks, we in the right wing, if you will, are a legitimate news source. Right over here in the Kiva. That's why the two newest radio stations that have come online are both conservative. They're trying to, oh, we, we could do whatever Eddie Aragon's doing. It's like they have no idea what they're doing. I never know what he's doing. We can just talk like him and we can act like him and think like him and then we'll just re replace him. Yeah, good luck. Good luck with that. Keep trying to take me out, please. The New York Times has now started covering... The right-wing media beat. Yeah. All the conservative news sites. Now, however disassembled and, you know, I don't know, disassociated we all are from each other, we should all be working on the same thing. Oh, I came up with it. No, I came up with it. Okay. Yeah. You've been how long working? A year? What? Six months? Year and a half? Two years? Okay. Ken Benzinger. According to his LinkedIn page, this at Liberty Nation, worked at the LA Times, the Wall Street Journal, and as a Mexico correspondent for Variety. His work ranges from writing about the mission governor Gretchen Whitmer and her kidnapping to pending articles about the Oath Keepers. He is now going to find the worst of the worst on the right side, make examples, and then basically tar and feather the entire right wing with the biggest idiots he can possibly find and say, that's right wing. So he's going to grab your Alex Jones. He's going to grab everybody he can who's been made a mockery of, made fun of, and been made to seem like they're a liar or actually be a liar. And he's going to tar and feather the right in the New York Times. It's a brilliant move. Very smart. New York Times is going to be saying, oh, did you see what this guy, oh, Ben Shapiro, do you see what Clay and Buck are talking about? Like, it's important more now than ever to get it right, period. 
not flim flam, have arguments. All these conservatives are battling each other. No, that I hate to say it, but this is not the time for that. There is no debate when it comes to values. There is no debate on who's right on this. We have four years of proof. And they still managed because they knew that we would attack ourselves from within. What are they all about? They're about destroying the Constitution, folks. The New York Times has actually come out and said it now. They said it. They wrote it. They had two co-authors in the write-up, Ryan Dorfler and Samuel Moyne from Harvard and Yale University, because those are the most respectful, respectful universities, the best most prestigious universities that are out there. And they said, the Constitution is broken and should not be reclaimed. Do you know how many Harvard, Yaley guys that are involved in the foundations of this country, particularly Harvard? They said, the Constitution is broken and should not be reclaimed. The real need is not to reclaim the Constitution, as many would have it, but instead to reclaim America from its constitutionalism. They want Full deconstruction of this country, top to bottom. Do you know how many countries would love to have what we have had over the last 246 years? Constitutions, especially the broken one we have now. What? You're the only ones that are breaking it. We have 27 addendums to it. Or 27, excuse me, additions. 17, really. When you look at everything, Bill of Rights, top to bottom. You say, why, why do we need to destroy it? because they're not getting what they want. Because we have nine Supreme Court justices, six of which are ours, and six which will say whether or not something is constitutional or not. They're not getting what they want. They're breaking their toys and they're throwing them out the door and they're saying, let's start over. That's exactly what they want to do. But they're liars. They've been exposed. The New York Times, the liberal media, you don't trust them. Take that number to the bank, 82%. Think that we are in a serious serious situation. And it's a cartel of politicians. It's a cartel of people in the government, particularly in the DHS, as well as the FBI now. You don't trust the FBI. The DHS shutting down their disinformation board months after a pause. Well, well, we have a disinformation governance board. These people are feeling threatened. Homeland Security needs to get involved. They don't like the way that the, the, the election came out. We need to put these people in jail for 7 to 20 years. Look, they were uh, invading the Capitol. Look what they were doing. Alejandro Mayorca says terminated the disinformation governance board <coughs> and rescinded its charter. Why? Well, because the person that they, were, that they had nominated, Nina Jankovic, had a history of partisan posts on social media that may have spread disinformation herself, such as calling the New York Post initial October 2020 story on Hunter Biden's laptop, Russian disinformation. That was who they were going to go ahead and make the chief of the disinformation board. I rest my case. Where in the world is Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden? Tom Cotton said, and he led a group of senators who introduced legislation that would kill the board by prohibiting federal dollars that would fund it. What little bit of power we have, we need to use it. Third hour up next. Stay tuned.
snakes and airplanes. Lenny Bruce is not afraid. I have a hurricane. Listen to yourself. Turn world to its own needs. Dummy, serve your own needs. Beat it up and not speak front. No strength. The ladder starts to clatter with fear. Fight down. High wire in a fire. Representatives have engaged in the government for hire in a combat site. Let the West are coming in a hurry with the furies breathing down your head. Team, my team reporters, Pebble Trump, Kevin Crop. Look at that. No plane. Fine. Yeah. with more 411 here for your third hour. I am Eddie Eric on the Rock of Talk on AM 1600 KI, the ABQ.FM, First couple of hours in the books, uh, third hour here, you and me. And uh, we've got a lot to get to. You can watch me on Roku TV, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, podcasting on Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Don't forget, you can also download the pre-apps at rockoftalk.tv and rockoftalk.com. And as always, a complete replay of the show is available at rockoftalk.tv just by on demand. So, uh, while supplies last, uh, and a lot of that uh, information, you know, all that stuff, I, I got to post everything. I got to get that up there. It's nice having Dad around to go ahead and uh, do that. He'll be back next week, so looking forward to uh, having there. Um, when I do a show alone, I just like to do the show, like, straight through. So uh, it is a little different than having somebody in studio, but I got to tell you, I mean, this is the way I did the show for, like, four and a half years, mostly by myself. Uh, where can I have you find your list of advertisers? That's very nice of you. You can o- always download the app and watch them all uh, come through. What are you going to, uh, please tell Dow to mute the keyboard. <laughs> Same one. <laughs> Same one who said that. See, I got a list of all your uh, texts. You can find them at rockoftalk.com. You can also download the app at rockoftalk.com. What you're thinking about is in the poll survey. I didn't get the poll survey, so you didn't send it. Randy says, Mel Mel J, MLG needs to dress up in a hemp necktie. That'd be funny. I don't think that, have you seen how fat her neck is? No, sorry. They don't want to go there. She's having a bad day, right? Had a bad day. Yeah, it's a bad day. It's a bad day for Democrats. Like judge ordering tomorrow, 10 a.m. I'm waiting. Woo, woo. Justice Department to release a redacted affidavit. Yep. Bruce trying to cover his ass. COVID is a way for MLG to strategize cheating herself back into office. Ooh, see. What if we fake? Why do you guys think that? I, I got to say, I don't really like the fact that you're thinking that. If you think that she doesn't have COVID-19, like that, that is odd. I think that if someone's going to be lying about being sick, it, would, it, it immediately tells me that I think that you are probably lying when you call in sick. I've never called in sick because I've never been sick. And plus my own boss, right? Even though I am sick, I was kind of sick. I'm like, I'm still got to do the show. Her lockdowns were the opportune time for her to get the buffoon Ben Ray Hulan, Luhan reelected and they did. Hmm. People felt bad for Ben Ray, right? Remember, he got the shot, then he had a stroke, man, stroke, man. That's not funny, but, you know, kind of is in a way, right? Judge Bruce Reinhardt is trying to cover his hide since he originally made a decision driven by his Trump derangement syndrome, not the rule of law. The judge in the Justice Department didn't anticipate the public backlash they would receive for the calculated rate on the President Trump's home. I don't trust the judge, judge's change of heart. I don't think it's a change of heart. I mean, I think he knows that uh, he, he has uh, screwed up. Screw the pooch. I don't trust the judge's change of heart. 
He's in cahoots with the Justice Department. They are trying to cover up their illegal fishing expedition. A redacted affidavit will be released tomorrow, just not anything of substance. They used the law to cover their tracks, not for the truth and justice as it was intended. Besides, Reinhardt is famous for flipping sides from federal prosecutor to defendant clients connected to convicted sex offender Jeffrey Epstein. Thank you for listening. You guys got all that good information here. Dr. Summers said that if everyone donated blood two to three times a year, it could help prevent heart attack. I can't donate blood. I'm ripe for a heart attack, I guess. And strokes. I think people would much prefer donating blood if they can rather than having to take drugs. Besides, the blood banks could use more donations. Bottom line, the healthcare system doesn't seem to care. I need to go get my blood pressure. Okay, tell us what you think. Hello, research polls. Uh, click on the link to begin, research-polls.com forward slash. I'm not interested in being contacted. Well, I didn't get it. Can't help you. If you don't send me the actual link, I'm not going to click on anything, but I'm also not going to get any polls either. I just I do, I do it here. Um, <clears throat> suffering from the bodyguard of lies, New Mexico is under a spell of K-O-A-T-K-K-O-B and the source. I had to read that again. It was so good. Nice job, Mark. Um, they are playing us like violins, Eddie. If they hadn't repealed Roe, they wouldn't have anything to run on. That's a good way to look at that. I would, I would tend to agree with that. Eddie, can men have an abortion too? No. <laughs> they also can't get pregnant. But anyway, you can do anything when you're losing, when you're getting your ass handed to you so badly. No! Remember that woman or man? You think she's made the transition? 550 5, That's 550 500 You're laughing because you know it's true. She, she did. <laughs> right? Like Millie Vanilli wasn't the real thing. She wasn't a real woman. Girl, you know it's true. All right. I've been threatening to talk about Russia the entire time. And I have not talked about it at all. So Russia, 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 Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Uh, I used to hate it when Sean Hannity would start doing that. Russia, Russia, Russia. Just like, please stop. It's not. The gimmicky thing doesn't work with me. I'm not a low information voter. <sighs> so with Russia, we immediately think of nukes, right? Because that's the way we've been programmed, right? <sighs> Over the weekend, let's let's set everything up so that you understand. Okay, I'm gonna need at least two, maybe three segments for this whole thing, because there's a lot here, right? And we haven't paid much attention to the Russia Ukraine thing. It's a lot more than that. It's World War III, and it is World War III. We are in a world war. The moment China launches on Taiwan, it's full-fledged war, World War III. Okay? We don't need to declare that. It's already happened. So there was the murder of Daria Dugina, or Dugina. hope I got that correct. She was the daughter of uh, <clears throat> ultra-nationalist, that's the way Vox character is, of Russian President Vladimir Putin. She was a nationalist. She believes in Russian hegemonic, hegemonic power, excuse me. Lower profile than her father, Alexander Dugin, espoused many similar nationalist and pro-war beliefs that had been sanctioned by the United States for running a disinformation website. As you do when you're the Bidens, because there's no disinformation coming from Biden. Russia is blaming Ukraine for Georgina's death. They tried to bury this. They tried to say, the Ukrainians tried to say, uh, Zelensky tried to say, we had nothing to do with it, nothing to do with it, okay? Now, a week ago, about three days before this took place, Zelensky got together with the Turkish president to try and sort of iron things out. Like, 
Like, cut it out, Zelensky. You're not in the right kind of position. Let's tone it down just a little bit, okay? That's not what Zelensky is all about. Zelensky is doing whatever Joe Biden tells him to do. The most corrupt country, uh, European country, the Ukraine. We will call it European because they're unofficially, officially, unofficially, unofficially, officially a part of NATO. I don't know why we're defending them. Ukrainian intelligence agencies planned the attack, according to Russia, and Ukrainian woman who entered and fled through Estonia and carried it out. That's what they said. How good is the KGB? Well, pretty darn good. They had it right from the get-go. They went after Alexander Dugin's daughter. He is what's known as Putin's brain. Now, all the Western apologists are jumping in. Carolyn Hawk, Brian Taylor. I think Dugan's death has caused so much tension because of the two of who her father was and who she was. She's new as a media personality. She should not be blamed. Who would want to kill her? Who would want to blow up her car? Well, apparently, Alexander was supposed to be in that vehicle. He was not. He is one of Vladimir Putin's closest associates. He's important in internal politics. He's important for intelligence. He is known as Putin's brain. We'll pick it up there when we return right here in the Kiva on AM 1600 KIVA, ABQ.FM, rockoftalk.com. You will no doubt find that Ukrainians are directly responsible. They sent somebody in. They got the job done. It's about disinformation, misinformation. National labs are smack dab in the middle of all that information. Yep. Probably. Well, we know that, right? CRT, critical race theory. We'll introduce it to the PhDs and we'll pass it off to the rest of the country. These guys will, they'll eat anything. We'll do whatever we tell them. We pay them so much money and they... Oppenheimer was a full-blown communist. That's all you need to know. How do you think the Russians got, how do you think the Soviets got all the nuclear information? We were helping them because we're a traitorous state. Traitorous state. You guys got to read that. Great, great reading. All right. So let's pick it up uh, there. The Russia car bombing from over the weekend. She was murdered by Vladimir Zelensky and the Ukrainians. The news is not going to tell you this. Okay. They're not going to tell you this, but it kills the daughter of Russian known as Putin's brain all over the internet. And then just disappeared. No, we're not talking about it anymore. It wasn't a suspicion. They literally proved it because they've got photos of her showing up on the doorstep. She moved into the building. The murderer moved into the building. That's right, folks. She had been living there. Since June, 43-year-old Natalia Volkov. 
She was acting as part of a criminal plot and orchestrated, perpetuated by the Ukrainian Special Services, according to Russian state news agency. And now it's been proven. They've got video, photos. FSB published a video compilation, allegedly, that opens up Voke entering Russia and her gray Mini Cooper. <laughs> These Mini Coopers, they're all over the news. They do everything. Which sports plates issued by the Kremlin-backed separatist Donetsk People's Republic. A second portion of the video appears to show Volk entering the apartment building where Dugina lived in Moscow. The doorbell cameras offer a view of her face as she stands in the front of her door, then answers a call on her phone. They also show Volk's Mini Cooper features Ukrainian emblems and plates. Seems kind of obvious. She was subjected to an inspection at the Russian-Estonian border following the killing of... Dugina. Dugina is quite quite attractive lady. Now dead. Vladimir Zelensky's chief advisor, Mikhailek Podolkia, declared, we are not a criminal state unlike Russia and definitely not a terrorist state. Okay. Russia likewise denied carrying out a quote-unquote false flag attack. What's the first casualty of war? Truth. However, there's way too much information on Voke. She arrived in Russia July 23rd, came in with her daughter, good disguise, Sophia Shaban, moved into the same apartment building where Dugina lived, gathered information about the Kremlin propaganda lifestyle and habits. Citing official sources, Voke followed Dugina around in a Mini Cooper with Kazakh license plate. On Saturday, Voke and her daughter allegedly attended the musical literary festival tradition where Dugina was a guest of honor. After allegedly detonating Dugina's toilet on a land cruiser with a remote-controlled device, had to be within a certain range, Volk and her daughter fled to neighboring Estonia in a Mini Cooper, now displaying Ukrainian plates, according to FSB. Law enforcement said they will be calling for Volk's extradition. Estonia's ministry declined to comment if there was no immediate comment from Estonia's Interior Ministry and the Border Guard Service. Dugin Alexander released a statement describing his daughter as a rising star who was treacherously killed by enemies of Russia. Now, I don't feel sorry for Russia here. I don't have any dog in this hunt, okay? I really don't, and neither should you. But I know Vladimir Zelensky is a complete liar, propagandist. But I also know that I don't feel sorry for any of these people who perpetuate war in other countries either. If you decide to go ahead and fight with a sword, be prepared to be slain by the sword. That includes leadership from Putin on down. You can't feel sorry for these people, but I think, it, truth be told, we need to talk about what's actually happening here. And there was an attempt at peace by uh, the Turkish uh, prime minister. It was not very successful. In fact, Ukraine is really amplifying things up. They, hold, they held a victory parade, folks, of captured Russian tanks to mock Putin through the streets of Kiev. They were antagonizing Putin. He does not like that. The Ministry of Defense said it's a reminder to all dictators how their plans may be ruined by a free and courageous nation. He warned citizens that Russia might plan a major attack to coincide with Independence Day. Oh, well, if your army is so great and they're going to come on the attack, then you should be able to defend your people since you're the warmonger as well. You can't play the victim and then not have peace. You were just in Turkey three days before. How's he traveling so much? 
Ukrainian officials had a display of destroyed enemy armor to mock the Russians, who they say intended a victory parade as a show of strength by the Putin regime when they believed it would capture Kiev so quickly. This from the Business Insider. They celebrated Independence Day on August 24th, which was yesterday. And guess what happened? Oh, no. He didn't. He's beating his chest how awesome we are, and he's getting his citizens killed. They went from U- Ukrainian families enjoying a day out, wandering among the lines of captured armor, inspecting burned-out war machines, to dying on the streets. Very responsible, Vladimir Zelensky. In the meanwhile, we're sending them billions upon billions of dollars. Now, this three billion bucks yesterday, just, yeah, whatever. Antagonizing Putin, antagonizing Xi Jinping. Literally goading these people into war. Why would you do that? BBC had to put out something. They're inciting war. Why are they inciting war? Remember, uh, Boris uh, Johnson's no longer going to be there as of, I think, September 6th. Why would you do that? Aren't you looking for peace? Aren't you looking to end this conflict? Aren't you complaining about the fact that it's six months on? Well, apparently they're not. And what's worse now is there is a nuclear plant in the middle of all this. And the UN chief himself got involved and said, well, you don't want to get these people involved and you don't want to go ahead and bring this type of attention to the Ukraine. But there he is, Erdogan, Mr. Zelensky, and Mr. Gutierrez in the western Ukrainian city of Lviv. UN Secretary General Antonio Gutierrez said he is gravely concerned about fighting near Zaporizhzhia. Hopefully I got that right. Nuclear plant near southern Ukraine. Any potential damage to Zaporizhzhia is suicide, Mr. Gutierrez warned. It was Mr. Zelensky and Mr. Gutierrez' first meeting since April when Kiev was hit by rockets during the visit. What did he do? He had a parade in the streets, and then he goaded the Russians into attacking him. How did he do it? Well, he sent out an assassin to take out Putin's head's daughter. And we're helping these people. Oh, what's happening is horrific. It's beyond common sense. BBC has been unable to verify any of the claims about how this whole thing started, but we're not looking for peace because war is profitable. Let's not forget these war pigs. War is very profitable. These high-level talks in the Ukraine yielded no progress. Putin wasn't there. The AP wrote about it. Recep Erdogan said he would follow up with Russian President Vladimir Putin, given that most of the matters discussed would require the Kremlin's agreement. They didn't even give him a chance to go ahead and visit with him. He was trying to broker the peace. The Turkish president urged the international community after the talks not to abandon diplomatic efforts to end the war and do not send any more money or arms. He repeated that Turkey is willing to act as a mediator and facilitator and added, I remain convinced that the war will end at the negotiating table. So much for that. We're in the middle of World War III. War is profitable. People are looking for territory. And people are crazy. I'm singing the same song in my head. God is good and people are crazy. Russia railway station strike yesterday kills 25, injures dozens. This is what happens 
when you don't work for peace. As a result of the direct hit by an Isklander missile on a military train at the Chaplin Railway Station in an unpronounceable region, more than 200 servicemen at the Reserve of Ukraine's Armed Forces and 10 units of military were destroyed. Mr. Zelensky said he had learned of the strike in Chaplin and the diplomatic region, and he was preparing to speak to the Security Council. Ah, they, they shot at me! They sent missiles! Why? They're on the periphery of the nuclear plant. They had to shut it down. They're having outages right now. Joe Biden sent an extra $3 billion. Hey, you took those guys out? Here's $3 billion. Here's $3 billion. UK jumped in with $54 million. <laughs> What are you going to do with that? Zelensky and his wife also attended a memorial ceremony for the fallen soldiers. It's all pomp, circumstance, and weepy eyes as they tried to goad Putin, who has gotten stronger and stronger and stronger. And then after he goes to the UN, you know what he does? He says there's going to be retaliation after we give him $3 billion. Chaplin is our pain today. As of this moment, there are 22 dead, five of them burned in the car, an 11-year-old teenager. Apparently, he doesn't know what a teenager is. And a Russian missile destroyed his house. I'll tell you about how those sanctions are working, where we are, and where this is going when we return in the Russia versus Ukraine World War III battle right here in the Kiva on AmSecurityKIVAQ.FM. Eddie, I don't currently know the link yet. A huge natural gas field was discovered in 2020 near Odessa. Putin had monetary incentive to prevent Chevron from exploiting it. Okay. Interesting. Thanks, Mark. Uh, <clears throat> did you take that bet, Eddie? I did hear that. So Brian is texting me in from yesterday. I listened to the show from yesterday. I did misspeak twice when I said that Top Gun earned $100 billion, And then again, when I said $1 trillion. It was actually $1.4 billion, my bad. Well, I'm making him pay up, right? I think I did accept that bet. Yeah, absolutely I accepted that bet because I knew what I was talking about. As I do every day right here in the Kiva, you can listen to a complete replay and whatever, play it back to me, hold me accountable. I don't really care. People do that, and that's totally fine with me. doesn't bother me in the least. Um, I should say that when I did my show, I actually wasn't, I didn't have it in my ears on Monday. Uh, which was really good for me, very healthy for me. I like not having anything around my ears or at all so I can just talk on the radio. My ears <clears throat> are having a tendency of hurting now. I think because I've listened to so much music, not so much of my voice and the ENT ears, nose, uh, throat. So let's continue, uh, shall we? And I'll tell you exactly you know, where we are on all of this. Um, first off, 
if the United States is alerting, if it's alerting its own embassy and all Americans that are in the Ukraine to leave immediately, probably the strategy is not working very well. The 31st anniversary of the Ukraine split from the Soviet Union was yesterday. They took on severe casualties, actually countless. They don't have an actual count. The Department of State has information that Russia is stepping up efforts to launch strikes. It's because your boy Zelensky is doing what? He's goading the bear, poking the bear. U.S. Embassy urges U.S. citizens to depart Ukraine now. Privately available ground transportation options if it is safe to do so. I'm out. Later. I would have left way long ago. I don't see thousands upon thousands of volunteers and soldiers jumping on the side of Ukraine right now, do you? I don't see it. $67 billion. It doesn't go to the Ukraine. It goes to U.S. arms makers. Correct the mundo, my friend. Pay the man his money. For Americans who remain and hear a loud explosion, they are directed to immediately seek cover. Hey, thanks, State Department. I really needed that advice from the State Department. That's real intel. You mean the same intel? Uh, should we go back to Hillary Clinton back in the day? Yeah. So how are these sanctions working? Are they working? The answer is no. A little bit? Yeah. Is it really making an impact? No. They just changed their currency. They decided who they're going to work with. And by the way, they're working with practically half the... They had their BRIC meeting, right? Brazil, Russia, India, China. How many... What's the population of that? What's the area of that? Yeah, those four countries, kind of incredible. 1.5 billion, another 1.3 billion, on top of another 300 million. And on top of that, well, you've got Brazil. The effectiveness of this embargo is key to the outcome of the Ukraine war. Really? Well, why is the Ukraine, why is the economist saying it's not working? Half of Russia's $580 billion of currency reserves lies frozen, and most of its big banks are cut off from global payments. But when you decide to go ahead and cut off your nose and spite your face and cut off the energy of your own country, Joe Biden, you make his oil that much more valuable on the world market, and especially when you limit it to where it can go to. We still got to go ahead and see what we can do to get a hold of some of that. The sanctions aren't working, and the sanctions won't work against China. The military, probably not going to work very well either. At this point, they know that they have them beat doing to geographic dislocation of the United States and the huge amount of resources, not to mention a weakening economy, despite a strengthening currency in the United States. We're trying to prevent a nuclear war or are we? If they're that close, why did they have to go ahead and shut down the nuclear plant if we were on offense? That's what I want to know. Because just today, actually this morning, Vladimir Putin decided to go ahead and increase the Russian forces by 10%. Thereby, there's no peace. It's looking like it's going to go for a long time now. Ukrainian National Security and Defense Council Director Olinsky Danilov told U.S.-funded outlet Radio Liberty that winning the war will be now very difficult because if someone thinks that we have already passed some kind of Rubicon and that's the rest will be like clockwork, it will not be. They have just increased their forces by 
Putin's decree did not specify whether it would include draft or increase his volunteer forces. All it said was the total number is going to be 137,000 additional troops. Plus, they've committed an additional $13.5 billion to this effort to beat Ukraine. Anybody know what the uh, GDP of the Ukraine is? How big their army is? <laughs> that pretty much takes them over at this point. Ukraine has officially lost 9,000 of its troops since the Russia war began. That's the number that they have. Putin is on the offensive. And now it's going to be a disinformation warfare that's going to be happening through international boundaries. Google's getting involved. They're going to start their campaign against misinformation on Ukrainian refugees. It said that is basing its campaign on research by British psychologists where viewers were exposed to inoculating clips. The campaign is centered on Poland, the Czech Republic, and Slovakia. What are they getting used to? They're saying, well, you need to go ahead and take in these Ukrainians because it's about to get a heck of a lot worse. Poland has experienced the largest intake of refugees from Ukraine of any country. The Czech Republic, Slovakia have also been major destinations for fleeing Ukrainians. Polish people cannot, the Polish country cannot absorb them any longer. And Belgium, as you know, isn't taking anybody. Well, Bulgaria, excuse me. Researchers devised five short videos that they said inoculated people against five manipulation techniques that's preventing them from leaving the Ukraine and coming into those countries. Emotionally manipulative language, incoherence, false dichotomy, scapegoating, and ad hominem attacks will no longer work. You need to take these people in. They're already handing the war over to the Russians. They're just not telling you as much. But we're still handing billions of dollars over to the Ukrainians. And Zelensky's still pounding his chest, saying there's going to be retaliation. They're starting their misinformation campaign as well. I thought the Ukrainians were taking out massive numbers of Russians. Well, the misinformation is they're starting to talk about the rape of women, girls, and boys. Anybody know how terrible some of the Ukrainian army people are? Do you think that they're projecting some of their... I don't know, let's just say war crimes that they're blaming on the Russians that they're doing themselves in their own country. I think so. Folks, this is going to continue for a while. There is no short-term solution to this. The opportunity for that was over the last weekend. But when you take out Putin brain, Putin's brain's daughters and you have a strengthening economy in Russia due to the wealth of natural resources that they're able to go ahead and dispense to the BRIC countries, right? Their own Russia, Brazil, India, and China, not to mention all of their allies, which seem to be increasing, not decreasing at this point. They're strengthening their argument in the international realm. And I don't think that this bodes well good, bodes well for the, uh, for the Western allies. 550-5500, that's 550-5500. And I really do that is just only I really do think that it really is just deepening the pockets of the defense contractors uh, that are out there. Now, uh, I do want to kind of, uh, you know, kind of take it back from the top uh, today. We covered a lot of territory and uh, Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham has tested positive for COVID-19. Um, I'm getting some interesting texts from people. Um, I never like to speculate on the health of anybody. No matter if there are opposition, or not, you always hope for the best. Why would you say something so negative as you wish something on someone? That's exactly what she would have wished on you if we believed what we believe from her. I don't think that she thinks that. 
we've been put through some things, but it doesn't need to get to that level. I'm, I'm the king of ugly in some ways, especially against her, given what she's doing. But I do it in defense of our position and the way that we have been attacked. And in many cases, I'm the only form of defense I feel like sometimes. Donald Trump seems to be his only form of defense, although he's going to get probably a little bit of a leg up tomorrow. I don't think it's going to be quite as explosive and awesome as I wish it would be or could be. But the judge ordering the Justice Department to release redacted affidavits leading to the search of Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago home hopefully will be an eye-opener for us. We already, as a country, don't trust the FBI. We already don't trust the government. I certainly hope that that exposes and prevents further invasions of powerful people's homes throughout the country. I don't think that that's a good way for this to go because then when the other group gets it and Donald Trump didn't do this to Hillary, though he wanted to, he let it play out. He never got to that level. I mean, after all, Donald Trump hung out with the Clintons. I think they knew that he wasn't going to pull the trigger. He didn't start any wars. He didn't create any more, you know, problems. I think for the other side, other than just to be himself and win, 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 just win, baby, win. And I think that was enough to go ahead and raise the ire of them because they could not be him. Covered education, loan forgiveness, no working, COVID and health, as well as Mark Stein's write-up, a lot of New Mexico news, and uh, more election media. When we return, we'll close it out with Elon, Twitter, and tech. Closing out the show. Dow will be back on uh, Monday. The Dow 3000. Hopefully he's enjoying himself. Hopefully he's not listening to this program or this uh, broadcast. And he's actually truly taking some time off. I, I would guess that he is. Elon Musk, uh, as I've told you, he was never going to buy Twitter. And now he probably isn't going to have to pay any penalties. That's right, folks. Uh, Maybe I'd say, mark my words here, tops a billion to $2 billion in damages, tops. That's, that, that's what I think that he will ultimately pay at most. Not going to be $44 billion. He'll never own Twitter. It's officially over as of today. And given the type of news day that it is, uh, well, I'm surprised that this is getting any coverage at all. And he has somebody to thank. This guy... Pops up out of absolutely nowhere. Peter Zatko. Just out of nowhere. He's like, oh, Twitter's doing all these horrible things. They're not disclosing this. They're not disclosing that. It looks really good for Elon Musk. In fact, it got so bad that a French data regulator is now investigating Twitter for security allegations. Folks, if you haven't gotten off Twitter, it's time for you to get off of Twitter. They've got all your information. Everyone's accounts are compromised. Musk, Obama, all their friends. 
If they're compromised, you can only imagine how you compromise. We were shadow banned, like, right from the get-go. You know that. You saw it. I can't see your media tweets. I can't, can't see what you guys are talking about. So <clears throat> he's getting a heck of a lot of help. He's got a complaint in Delaware. He's filed one hell of a complaint about Twitter accusing the company of making false and misleading statements to the government and fraudulent material misrepresentations to its own board. It's documented it has so much insight into the internal, inter, internal workings of the social media company that it resembles last year's so-called Facebook files. CFO Agrawal, painted as a duplicitous executive whose rise was opposed by board members. He alleged he hid information about bots and security issues from the board because that would have reflected badly on him. The FTC could be a big problem. Twitter entered into an agreement in 2011 called a consent decree in which it promised to beef up its security systems. It never had happened. The company was never in compliance with the agreement, not one time. According to Peter, Twitter employees were able to get wide internal access that they shouldn't have, and user information was supposed to be for cybersecurity, was also shared with marketing. Mudge also claimed that he was reasonably feared Twitter could suffer Equifax-level Equifax hacks. How about all the deleted information that was missing from Twitter? Where'd it go? The FTC had asked Twitter whether the data of users who canceled their accounts was properly deleted. It was not. Jack Dorsey. Nowhere to be found for the last two years. He wasn't actually interested in Twitter until Elon Musk was interested in Twitter. He was the one who hired a guy by the name of Mudge and what was then seen as a sober and serious decision to clean up the company after a massive hack. Mudge and Dorsey hardly met. Mudge said that he spoke with Dorsey about six times over the course of a year with each 30-minute call at his own request and Dorsey speaking only 50 words during each of those calls. And finally, what Elon is all about, those bots, those unreal accounts, fake accounts, Mudge hired an outside group, the identity is redacted, to compile a report on Twitter's ability to rein in spam and fight misinformation, disinformation, and fake users on the platform. When other Twitter executives found out, they hired an outside law firm to produce a quote-unquote clean version that removed any and all embarrassing information from Twitter. Folks, they're doing CYA top to bottom. Does this help Elon Musk? No question about it. So much so that he's not going to have to follow through. And will all of this quote-unquote discovery that comes out, will this actually help? Will this help Elon Musk? Well, I just gave you the answer. And I've been pretty right on on this thing from the very beginning. Been following Musk. Musk has got to feel good. He's been making some money. And he's going head-to-head -head against, uh, what, Dorsey, right? This Jack Dorsey. And we just try to look at whether or not they're profitable, they're good business guys. Elon Musk, boy, a windfall of profits. Now, Dorsey, the only thing you could really track for him is something called block. Okay. On a comparison of how much and who is worth and what and the stock performance, here's a comparison of Tesla versus block. This is the only company that we can really talk about that Jack Dorsey runs. 
He founded it in 2009. Elon Musk founded his own in 2003. Tesla has made Elon Musk worth $255 billion, the richest man in the world. Jack Dorsey only has $5 billion bucks. That only, right? The market value in the billions for Tesla is $908 billion, only $43 billion. And that's because that's what Musk said he would, what he would buy it for. The annualized stock gain from the inception, 55% a year for Twitter, 27% for, excuse me, 55% for uh, Tesla, 27% for Twiddler, Twitter, excuse me, or Twitter type stock. And the total revenue in the millions, $67 billion for Tesla. It looks a heck of a lot better for Elon Musk. He's got deeper pockets, a better argument. And he was the one who was on the offensive, who was making the arguments to buy Twitter. So he, it's worth whatever he thinks it's worth. And it looks like it's not very much. Now, I've been sort of messing around a lot in tech as of late. BlackBerry, there's a brand new movie that's uh, coming out on that. Remember 28 Blackberries that were burned by Hillary Clinton? Brand new movie about that. I'm interested in watching that. Anybody ever have a BlackBerry? Facebook users reporting that there's a celebrity spam is flooding their accounts. That did it over a course of about five hours. Huge security breaches there. How did all this random information? I thought this was controlled. I used my username and password. How were I suddenly seeing all these profiles that I wasn't supposed to see? People who aren't friends, I'm seeing them as friends. TikTok's now experimenting with a new nearby feed to promote local content. I don't trust TikTok, but I've uploaded a few videos on there. They'll no doubt ban me. Why don't I trust TikTok? Well, users, and this is uh, for a woman by the name of Gabby Hanna. I have no idea who she is. But apparently she was communicating all these different TikToks on the platform and guess who showed up at her doorstep with a psych evaluation team? That's right, folks. LAPD. They received multiple phone calls urging cops to check on her, brought in the evaluation team, which after a consultation with her determined, quote unquote, she didn't pose a threat to herself. She made over 100 TikToks, put them up there, is making all sorts of crazy, crazy, you know, claims on there. And as she did it, her most recent TikTok videos have shown her in various states of crying. Screaming, laughing, talking about a range of topics, including religion, death, declaring herself, quote unquote, the smartest person on earth. How do we know she isn't just trying to get attention? Well, she got the attention of local authorities. That's maybe another reason to sort of stay off of TikTok. She has 7.5 million followers where she goes by trauma queen. Maybe an indication of maybe someone you should not call on. Call the police on. 550, 5,500. For all you guys uh, out there in the keyboard, appreciate uh, you tuning in today. Space may be the final frontier, but it's made in Hollywood. Basement music. Oh, yeah. You tried to get over on me last night. Uh, that was, of course, on Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis. He was talking about the fake moon landing. We're now uh, headed back. We'll talk about space tomorrow. Uh, NASA's space launch system is yesterday's rocket, folks, uh, according to that. Uh, I got so much information yesterday. Humans are revisiting the moon and the rules of spacefaring. We'll also talk about the program being precarious at best. Lori Garner on NASA's Artemis, which is what they talked about last night. Artemis 1, much, 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 which must mean there's going to be an Artemis 2. And then uh, NASA tests 
first of its kind planetary defense system. Are we there yet? Uh, I don't think so. So a lot to get to tomorrow. Yes, I will get to that Racial Flames articles uh, that I've got coming in. Also some J6 stuff. Yes, some uh, Anne Hesh. We'll get into Islam uh, as well as the Muslim community here. And maybe if we're lucky, we'll do an Espanola blotter beat and see if I uh, get some information on that. China, maybe some interesting stories, including why your Rolexes, your watches, your Jordans, and all that are worth a lot less than you think. StockX and some of those other websites. Uh, Oh, they're sort of missing the mark. And electronic vehicles, as I told you, 2035, California, they have uh, approved that to go ahead and go through. And uh, yeah, that's going to be no gasoline cars sold in the state of California, 2035 and beyond. We also have to talk about, and we'll lead off tomorrow with the economy, inflation bill, you know, creating the green energy uh, loan program. Critics are warning that it could lead to the next Solyndra, uh, et cetera. You know, people who are all invested in all this and uh, why you may not qualify for that ultra low mortgage rate that you're hoping to get. In fact, uh, mortgage rates are climbing higher and higher. And the Fed will no doubt give you a three quarter of a point boost come September. So be waiting for that. And we've got to avoid the rationing, folks. How do you do that? Well, thanks, everybody, for tuning in right here in the Kiva on AM 1600 KIVA BQ.FM, See you bright and early tomorrow for the Friday edition. 4 p.m. Have a good evening. Yeah.